0: Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Let's talk about risk, baby. Let's talk about... Okay, I'm going to stop quoting an 80s song and and dive into it. So I I want to talk about risk. This is something that is of great interest to me. And uh, to be honest, I'm actually not sure how interesting it's going to be to you. But we'll give it a try. We'll, we'll see if there's any uh, feedback to this. Risk is, is very interesting to me because of the nature of the work I do. The work I do is all about helping people make this one decision. <clears throat> I mean, initially, there, I guess half of it or 60 70% of it is all about this one decision. How do I specialize? What's going to be the best re- way for me to specialize? What's going to be the most profitable the most sustainable, uh, perhaps the most enjoyable, you know, some, some combination of those factors. And and that is what I often describe uh, for most people as a high-stakes, low-data situation. And that kind of uh, decision is almost always stressful for, for anybody to make. It certainly is for me. I think there's some people, some personality types, perhaps, that thrive in those circumstances, and maybe they even enjoy it. Or if they don't enjoy it, they figured out how to function well under those circumstances of high stakes. And when I say high stakes, just I know that um, I I'd probably need to do a better job of explaining English idiom. So high stakes, as far as I know, refers to the idea of uh, betting money in in a game like poker or something like that, and the stakes are. Um, you know, the money that you've staked literally is, it would be used as a verb or, you know, it's the money that's at, at risk. What's at risk is really what I mean when I say high stakes or rather what I, when I say high stakes, what I mean is there's what f- feels to you like a lot that you've, you're risking and low data just means that when you, when you say to yourself, okay, how do I make this decision on what basis do I decide or, Are there factors or uh, things that I need to be aware of to to make this decision safely? The answer to that is uh, yes, and I don't know what they are, or I don't know as many of them as I like. So you feel like there's a deficit of good information, useful information for you to use in making this decision. Now, I know that for some people, making this decision about specializing is not a high-stakes, low-data um situation, it's easy, and I wish it was easy for more people, but it's not. It brings up lots of emotional um, content, <laughs> some of which is not fun to deal with, and it just creates this feeling of like uncertainty so um, that's why risk is so interesting to me is because there there is to some degree in involved in this decision there is an element of risk what if it doesn't work out well what if you decide and you made a bad choice or what if you thought you were making a good choice and it turns out to be a bad choice that's risk what if i mean it's the same thing as um you know any any activity where the outcome is uncertain there's an element of risk and I have heard it said, said that um, risk is directly proportional to you know, the financial reward of some entrepreneurial activity. I, I don't think that's always true, but I do think it's it's part of the game, is that you have to manage and deal with a certain amount of risk if you're going to be in business for yourself. And so as someone who is... You know, here to advise folks on making this transition from generalist to specialist, I'm very concerned about risk because I would like as many people as possible to be successful in making this transition. And it turns out that individual people have different ways of dealing with risk. I mean, that's perhaps the understatement of the year. Of course, you know, not everybody loves taking on a lot of risk. Not everybody wants to take on a lot of risk. And so we all have a sort of posture in terms of how we deal with risk. And certainly there's a range of amounts and types of risks that people are willing to under, uh, to accept. But in general, not everybody has the same ability to handle risk. So, I've been doing some research about this, and part of what I'm trying to do is get better at understanding uh anybody who you know comes to me for help, who hires me to help them. I would like to have a really, really good understanding of their um, I think what we could call a risk profile, because, as I've done research into this, it turns out <laughs> that the way I was thinking about risk is somewhat simplistic. And that's what I'd like to spend the rest of this episode talking about is what I've learned quite recently about risk. And this comes actually from the world of um, professional investment management. So there are people out there who will um, you know, take your money and tell you how to invest it or invest it for you or give you input on how to invest it there's a variety of job titles so I won't pick just one but those people <laughs> as it I had no idea until I looked into this a little more deeply they have uh regulations that say they have to understand their clients risk profile and so <clears throat> they're further ahead than I in terms of trying to actually uh quantify risk tolerance and as I've done a bit of research into this, I've learned that there are, there's actually uh, risk tolerance is something you can break down into about three or five, depending on how you look at it, different elements that comprise someone's risk tolerance is not the right word. Risk is one of those three or five elements. So risk profile is a better way to look at it. So, you know, up until a Um, a few weeks ago, really, I would say when I was working with a client, I'd like you to tell me about your risk tolerance. And often when I'm looking for that kind of information, I try to make it easy and uh, try to make folks, make it so folks don't get into analysis paralysis. And so I give them a three point scale to rate things on three is easy because you can say, well, my risk tolerance is low or it's high, or it's somewhere in the middle, that kind of maps roughly to a three-point scale. As soon as you make that into, like, a five-point scale, which is the next place most people would take it because, you know, if you... Uh, I don't know if you know what a Likert scale is, but it's it's that very common thing you see when you're taking surveys where it's like, you know, rate this from one to five or one to ten, and you've got, like, um, five or seven or, you know, ten radio buttons, and you can only choose one of them and it indicates, you know, the strength of affinity you feel for something or your preference for something or how strong or weak you are in some area. That's, that's, it's used to measure that. It's called the Likert scale, L-I-K-E-R-T. And I, I gravitate towards a three-point Likert scale because as soon as you get beyond that, people, or at least, I don't know, no one's ever told me this, but I get kind of par- paralyzed saying, wow, is that a? is that a five or a six or a seven? I just don't know. Um, it kind of becomes an inefficient way to get a basic piece of information. So I have in the past said, tell me about your risk tolerance. Do you avoid risk? Do you, that's on the, you know, left end of the scale on the right end of the scale. Do you seek it out or are you somewhere in the middle? Do you neither avoid nor embrace risk? And that's typically how I would ask about risk tolerance. But as i found risk tolerance is actually just one of again 3 or 5 components of someone's risk profile so risk tolerance and i'm going to link you to the research paper that this comes from it's a i found it a super interesting read and um just a, a quick tangent where the paper's coming from is saying even within the profession of providing financial advice the understanding of how to quantify risk, someone's risk profile, is still, there's a fair bit of disagreement about it, and it's not something that's been, you know, totally figured out. I think you could probably say that about any aspect of, you know, the human personality or human thinking or whatever. There's probably always new layers of discovery waiting someone who who's willing to go deeper into it. But this is... You know the, the consensus, at least of as of I think uh, twenty twelve. I think is when this paper was published, is that there's still a lot of work to do, but even so, this you know this uh, paper advanced my own understanding. So here are some definitions that that relate to this discussion. Uh, the first is risk tolerance, which is very simply your willingness to take on risk, and this is this is a subjective measure um you can't you know get out a ruler or um you know a piece of computer software to definitively understand someone's risk tolerance it's very subjective because of something i'll get to in a moment <laughs> but basically even people who think they are can tolerate a lot of risk there's still, like, how they perceive the risk is, is the part that remains subjective. So anyway, risk tolerance is your willingness to take on risk. This is a subjective measure. The next component of your risk profile is your risk capacity, which is your financial ability to endure a potential financial loss and still be able to achieve whatever your goals are. This is a more objective measure. So, you know, if you're starting a business and you have some money in the bank, let's say that you have $50,000 in the bank and you have access to credit and you have uh, an uncle who would really like you to succeed who says, you know, if things get rough, just call me. I've got uh, some money squirreled away. And you, and then the uncle says, just so you know, it's not a lot, but it's ten grand." <laughs> if things get rough let me know i'd like to help you out okay so you have a, a pretty clear picture of of what your financial resources are for this business endeavor those directly relate to your risk capacity that's how much money you could lose and then you're at at the limits of your ability to fund this business unless something unexpected happens but you know from what you can see right now today that money defines your risk capacity, your financial ability to endure a potential loss and still be able to achieve your goals. You might get, uh, I'm going to interrupt myself here and remember for you a time I interviewed uh, my colleague Nick Desabido, and I think, I'm pretty sure he said this on the interview, at, at one point he had like 5 or $10 in his business account, and he said that that's how close he was to going out of business at one point. We all have a risk capacity, some ability to endure a potential fi- financial loss, and that contributes to your risk profile. So you could be incredibly risk-tolerant. You could be, you know, like, I'll, I'll just put everything I've got into this. I'll empty out my life savings, my 401K, my whatever. I'll sell furniture, <laughs> you know, I'll... I don't care. I I believe so strongly in this thing that I'm trying to build here. So that would be a very high-risk tolerance, someone who's saying those kinds of things. But they could have a very low-risk capacity. And I think for me to, um, you know, I think back, you know, a few months ago when I wasn't quite aware of this, it's easy to conflate those two terms, um, but they are distinctly different things. So likewise, your risk tolerance may be very, very low, but your risk capacity could be very high. You know, Someone perhaps who's always taken the safe route and um, you know, worked the reliable, safe job and worked their way up the ladder might have a very high risk capacity but absolutely no willingness <laughs> to act on that and take a financial risk by starting a business or making a risky investment and that's fine that none of this is like any kind of value judgment it's just fascinating to me to start to see how this works at a more granular level moving on there's a third component called risk need and this i yeah i think this is relevant in business just as much as it is in the world of financial investments the risk need is how much risk is required to reach a specific goal so it's easiest to think about this in the context of um Saving for retirement, and let's say you're, you know, in your um, 20s, and you're thinking ahead, and you have a, you know, solid, what seems like a solid job, and you say, okay, I want to, you know, have this amount of money um, in some form of investment for when I retire at this, you know, this age when I think I'm going to retire. That determines um, a goal which then, you know, when you combine those other factors, determines how much risk you might actually need to take on to achieve that goal. And, you know, in in the context of retirement and savings, starting early lowers your risk need because you can just kind of suck away money in, in low-risk investments and reach your goal. But if under different circumstances with less time available, you might be Encouraged to look at more risky investments, and I think the same thing is true in your business. You you can be thinking about, well, how much risk do I actually need to take on in order to reach my goals, and of course that's going to be driven by the goals and other things like the timeline and so forth. But again, that's another component of this thing that I was just thinking of as a monolithic thing, risk tolerance. But it turns out if you look at it at a more granular level a more granular level, it's a, um, I think, a more useful way to think about things. Two more components of your risk profile. The next one is risk perception. So that is your perception or, or a person's perception of the risk of a situation. And surprise, surprise, our perception does not always match reality. You know, I think we know this. We've all had places where our perception of something did not match what we later found out to be a more accurate understanding of whatever that thing is. And so, um, you know, my fun example of this is uh, if you had asked me in 2007, in the year 2007, what I thought the um, actual risk of me losing my job was, I would have said, next to zero. My, My employer loves me. I'm doing good work um you know i'm I'm doing more than what I'm asked to do. um you know, I would have said things like that, and that gave me the perception that the risk of me losing that job was very, very low. Two thousand and eight rolled around <clears throat> um, the company I worked for, their primary clients stopped spending money on outside vendors. Their primary client was Microsoft, and Microsoft said, "We're you know all the stuff we've been outsourcing, we're going to do it in house, or we're just not going to do it because we need to conserve cash. We don't know how bad this global financial crisis is going to become. And uh, you know, if you're a business with one client, there's only so long you can uh, weather that one client not spending money on your services. So I lost my job at the end of 2008, got laid off. Um, along with pretty much everybody else I worked with, and so my perception of the risk of this, you know, employment situation was uh, was off base. It was distorted. So again, risk perception is a factor in how people think about risk. And you know, when I think it comes to when it comes to specializing, <clears throat> there is risk. I think most people perceive a greater amount of risk than there actually is in that situation. So I think risk perception is a factor that definitely comes to bear on this decision of how you specialize. Okay. Last component, (laughs) risk composure. So this is the stability of your risk perception compared to the reality this is your ability to maintain your composure during stressful circumstances. So this, this really has to do with what, what happens in you. What What is your thinking or behavior? What sort of changes happen in your thinking and behavior when you perceive that there is more risk that's kind of suddenly um, entered the situation? I know that's not the most elegant way to say it, but do you keep your composure or do you act in a sort of, uh, do you overreact? Do you underreact? How do you react? I guess that's the base, best way to say it. Your risk composure is how you react when, you're, when the perceived risk of the situation changes. So in the world of finance, you know, we have this all the time. Um, the markets go up and down and individual investors react as they're going to um, based on their risk composure to those those changes in the market. And I think about applying this to the world of your business, you selling your services, and one way that might show up is how long are you, um, how many data points are you looking for in terms of uh, feedback from the marketplace about the value of your services? One of the unfortunate things about being a generalist is that generally um, you're not getting a lot of inbound leads or (laughs) leads of any kind. (laughs) And that means you have um, a relatively small amount of data from which to make decisions about the value of what you do. Things can happen, and because you don't have a lot of data points to, to look at, you can make conclusions about the value of what you do based on you know, incomplete data. And that all has to do with this concept of risk composure. Um, So do you really, I think the best way to, to sum this up is how do you react when you perceive that there's a change in the riskiness of a situation? So all those, all those things go together to create your risk profile It's a combination of your risk tolerance, which is your willingness to take on risk. That's a subjective thing. Your risk capacity, which is more objective. That's how much financial loss you could endure and still be able to achieve your goals. Your risk need, that is going to perhaps drive how much risk you take on because it's a way of thinking about how much risk you need to take on in order to achieve whatever your goals are. Your risk perception plays into this, so you might just sort of chronically over or underestimate the amount of risk in a situation. That's worth knowing about yourself. And then finally, your risk composure. When when the risk level changes, or at least your perception of what the risk level is changes, how do you react? Do you overreact? Do you say, I'm pulling all my money out of this investment and we're going to just hold cash for a while? Or do you say, ah, it's too risky to um, you know, do market research. I don't like talking to strangers, and the one time I tried it, <laughs> it didn't go very well. All those five factors of risk tolerance, risk capacity, risk need, risk perception, and risk composure come together to form your risk profile. So to me, this is, again, super interesting. Uh, I hope I've managed <laughs> to make it somewhat interesting for you. And again, I'll link to that um, paper that a lot of this comes from in the show notes in case this is interesting to you and you'd like to learn more.